And we're back. Episode 75. 75 episodes. Talking Buds podcast. Thanks, everybody, for checking us out. So, I got my notes here. Like, we're going to get started. We're going to talk about what's going on. But I have to ask you first. I've been dying to ask you this. Were you as just just as viciously angry as the rest of Leaf Twitter on Saturday night at the reverse retro uniforms. Yeah, people seem to have a major issue with this blue on blue. They were, the, people were up, like, I saw takes like that were like, I can't even watch this game anymore. I turned it off. That's a joke. Yeah, that's like, a joke. I actually thought they looked sick. Yeah. Like, blue on blue is a little, it's not traditional and it's something you haven't seen before, but having the 80s style unis, like, we've talked about this on every show, basically. We love them. I thought they looked yeah. great on the ice. I thought the Oilers unis looked sick, too. Yeah. If you have a problem with those jerseys, then you don't have style. That's your problem so, right there. So here's the thing. Here's here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll appease those who were upset, and I'll say this. Like, they were clearly, they're clearly influenced by the 80s Leaf units, right? Why not just go the full, just wear the 80s UD? Like, why not just, just rip off the Sittler era and wear that uni instead of, like, trying to change it with the gray sides and the blue on blue numbers and the massive maple leaf on the front of it. Like, why not just go full eighties? I don't know. Someone, someone's idea to thought that was more stylish. The eighties is a brilliant idea because it's, it's, they've never touched it before. That's like the one era. It's kind of like the silent era of the whole franchise. It's like, we don't speak about eighties leaf stuff. And I just thought it was cool that they chose that Jersey to like be their reverse retro and be their third jerseys. And, yeah, they could have gone full buck. But, man, if you were watching that game and you thought those looked ugly, like, I I completely disagree with you. I thought they looked sick. It, kinda, I, I it got me more awesome. into it. It got me more into it. Yeah, I thought they looked great. And, yeah, like, it's not traditional, but they're trying something new. It's it's 2021. They want to spice things up. They want to try different stuff. Some designer just decided to, to put gray with blue instead of the white. And it's whatever. But when I was watching the game, I thought they looked sick. I yeah. love them. Yeah, I love them. Personally. Yeah, like, it, it got me more into it. And I didn't realize, maybe I'm I'm colorblind, but, like, I didn't realize, uh, like, in all the promotional Im- images, it never dawned on me that the sides were gray. They're not white. They're gray. Yeah, I know. But, man, again, when I, when I watched that game, I thought they looked good. I thought they looked good. That's just me. That's my opinion. If you want to come after me, that's fine. Whatever. I thought they looked sick. I was a big fan. Okay. So... I have a lot I, w- I want to talk about with you today. Like I, so we're ten games in. The record's seven two and one. Seven out of a possible eight points in Alberta. Fifteen points total, top of the division. And yet, I still feel the main consensus around the team from all the sports radio we listen to and all the shows we watch of people who cover it is that. It's, they haven't been that good. And I've got a really kind of like layered opinion on on that take. Like, I don't I don't disagree with it. Like, I do think that there is, a, a, especially offensively, I do think there is another level that this team can get to. I do. Like, I, I think overall, it's like they are, like Matthew said it himself the other day. I've got the quote right here. He said, I quote, I don't think we scratched the surface of the best hockey we can play as a team. 
I agree with that from an offensive standpoint. So, I don't know. Just give me your overall thoughts, and we'll dive into it, and I'll give you the second part of my take. I just want to know what's good enough. What is good enough for this fan base? They're 7-2-1. and one. I want these guys who report on the Leafs and write about uh, the games to, to watch another good NHL team. Watch the Capitals, and I want to see their report on it because I think every team in this league has deficiencies. It's just we're, we're so focused on the Leafs, and it's, man, they're 7-2-1. and one. And for me, and you can you can dissect the analytics, you can dissect the amount of penalties they've taken or their five-on-five play, but at the end of the day, it's all about getting points in this league. And they're seven, two, and one. They're the tops in the division. They have a bunch of guys who are in the top in the top in the league in points. And their power play is the second best power play in the league right now. And yeah, they've been a little lucky. There's been points in the season where they've they've been stuck in their own end. They've taken way too many penalties. Sheldon Keith pointed that out. I totally agree. They they have taken too many penalties. But if you're winning games because your power play is too good. I just, yeah. I don't get, I don't get it. So, I, don't, I don't get why that's such a negative. So that brings me to the second part of my take, which is like, yes. Do I think they can be better offensively? I do. However, I think they've been pretty good defensively. And I think for, massive improvement. Yeah. And I think, I think they've had a big improvement defensively. Yes. I think you've seen Jake Muzzin take a step forward this year, even though McDavid make, I feel bad for him trying to <laughs> try to cover McDavid for two games. That's a tough task. Justin Holt turned into a guy who was scratched 71 times to a guy who's now a top four defenseman. It's actually playing pretty damn good. Yep. And then they got a little bit of depth at the bottom. You can Dermot Lettinen or kind of just those bottom guys. You can switch in and out. And I just think overall defensively as a defensive core, they've gotten a lot better. And that that's that was the main thing going into the season we wanted to see improve we knew they had the firepower we knew their power play could be something but it's can this defensive core play good enough for this team to advance in the playoffs i i think that defensive core is the main that and the power play are the main reason why they have 15 points in the bank right now yeah and and it's it's the classic brian burke quote start build from the net out freddie anderson's been pretty decent yes he started off a little shaky like he always does and that's fine but he's gotten he's gotten better. There, I just mentioned a couple guys on on defense. TJ Brody's been pretty good. He's been an upgrade from Cody CC. Yes, yes. Like think about Tyson Berry, I mean, Cody CC. Think about that last year. Two absolute jamokes. Uh, yeah. Two awful, awful defensive hockey players. And then like they've massively improved. If your biggest problem is the forward group, well, uh, what do we talk about 24-7? How this forward group is one of the best in the NHL and they needed to improve other parts of their team. To me, they have done that. If your biggest problem is their five-on-five offensive play, then I think that's a pretty good place to start when you're seven, two, and one. And and here here's my thing, okay? Like, like I said, uh, I'm really happy with the way they've played defensively. I think they've been really good defensively. Do do they still give up some quality chances? Yes. But I think overall, their defensive structure, and especially the way they break out, they break the puck out of their zone, is the best it's been in years. And we've seen what happens. We've seen what happens when this team tries to go out and win 6-4. We've seen that movie. We've seen how that ends. You know how that ends? That ends with a first-round exit. That's how that ends. And a lot of criticism. Yeah, it does. So, like, this is where it's kind of like, 
What is gonna make what is gonna make you people happy? Yeah, it pisses us. It, it it it's literally pissing me off yeah. at this point. It's just there's nothing ever good enough. And we're guilty of that sometimes as well, because when you're covering one team, you're watching the same team over and over and over well, again. I like I like your point, if I can cut you off. I like your point about like watch other teams around the league. Like yeah. you're what I just said, like you're seeing that with the Oilers right now. Like, look at the Oilers. Just in a shootout last night against the Senators. Yeah, they have the is that sustainable? Is anyone picking the Edmonton Oilers to challenge for a Stanley Cup this year? No. No. And that's absolutely the exact not. team the Leafs have been these last few years. So it's like now they're playing a more structured defensive game and they're giving up less scoring chances. Do they have quality scoring chances in the offensive zone? No. Would we all like them to have more? Yes. But I'm willing. I went into this season, and I thought I wasn't alone. I went into this season with the understanding that we were going to sacrifice some of like the high-powered offensive onslaught for a better blue line and a more more um, structure yeah. in our defensive zone. And that's what I've seen. And now I'm hearing, well, I don't think they're that good. They're quality score. They don't get that many quality. It's like they're winning games. I think seven, two, and one. What do you want? Yeah, I I think we should switch this podcast to not criticizing the Maple Leafs, but criticizing the people who cover the Maple Leafs because I find a lot of times we get on this podcast and we criticize the people who are criticizing them more than we criticize the team because it's just sometimes you just read an article. Like today, somebody had a chart, and I I don't want to mention the name, but they were just saying that five of the Leafs' seven victories have been lucky. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you have to do to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. You can't be amazing every game. I'm sure there's a ton of Bruins games and there's a ton of Capitals games or Golden Knights, whatever team is tops in their division right now, where they get a little lucky because they have enough skill and they have good coaching and et cetera to get them through a game where you know what it wasn't too great tonight. That's what good teams do. And, and it's showing up in the playoffs, but we're not there yet. All we can judge is so far this season. 7-2-1? and one? Man, I, I for a second, I thought they were going to be 3-3 three and three at one point. Do you think in this era of, like, high-powered offensive talent that there is an expectation that, like, they... Because this is what I think. I think that some people look at this roster and they look at... Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares, like high powered offensive players. And they expect like McDavid numbers. Yes. Yes. Like you You look at McDavid and Drysaddle, the numbers like they last night, they or against the senators the other night. They, they sprung ahead the whole league. Like they were, Marner was with them 14. They both have over 20 points now. And like what you said, look what their team is though. They're, they're below 500. They're not very good. It's just, we're a high powered offensive team. And sometimes we expect, too much from these guys and they get paid a lot of money. Yep. We talked about that a million times. So you do expect a lot out of them, but man, it's, it's baby steps at this point, especially with this team. This team can't just take a giant leap forward. It's as much as you want them to it's, it's baby steps and that's breaking out out of your own end better. That's better goaltending. That's better neutral zone play. That's a better power play. Yep. Like now they're actually starting to set up some, some plays. My biggest problem with their power play in the past was, they just never had a play. It was just Marner kind of doing the slap pass. And yeah, it's a good play, but you got you need a shooter. Mm-hmm. And I find that they're finally getting Austin Matthews in a position to take a shot. And I think the biggest improvement of their power play this year has been upgrading the second unit. Last year, you saw Casper Kapanen out there with Jason Spezza and just a collection of dudes who, 
who just had no business being on a second power play unit. And you could tell that not much time was spent working on that unit. I think this year with Tavares kind of being singled out on that second unit with Willie sometimes, you had Wayne Simmons net front, Spezza can still move the puck. I think the reason why their power play has gotten so much better is because of the two units are now equally as dangerous. And you heard the quote last year, our power plays are toughness. And we, we laughed at that. Yeah. Because it just, yeah, it was tops in the league, but it wasn't that great. Now they're almost like they're, they're getting two power play goals a game. And that's how you have to win and kind of get in a good spot to play a weaker team in the division come playoff time. I I'm cool with it, man. Yeah. I'm cool with it. And we'll, we'll work on the rest in between. If you can start with that, I'm down. I heard a take today that suggested that if, if we were playing in our normal divisions, do you think that they would be where they are? Like, do you think if they were, if they were alongside Boston and Tampa, they would be where they are? It's tough. And we don't deal in hypotheticals here on the talking buds podcast. No, we don't. But I'd like to think maybe because of what exactly what we're talking about, that they are a better defensive team this year. Well, I guess it would depend on the schedule they've had through their first 10 games, but I think Boston's still a really good hockey team. I think Tampa Bay is still a really good hockey team. So I still think they'd be in tough. They'd still be in that mix. But again, it's just, I think they've just gotten a little bit better. So if they had, if they started off the season playing a couple other teams from the West coast or the Floridas of the world or, or, or other teams in the Eastern conference, I think they're maybe not seven, two and one, but I think the result of the games and how we feel about their power play and their defensive play would be kind of the same. I want to talk to you about a topic that I know that you're very passionate about. Zach Hyman. Oh. With Zach Hyman, um, when Mike Babcock took over in the first year of the Matthews, Marner, all that, and Hyman was placed on that first line, there was a lot of controversy on, on him being on that line because he doesn't bring it offensively. That's in the past now. We've skipped forward a couple years the way I would um, compare Zach Hyman is if I was a hockey coach and I was just having open tryouts to, to assemble a hockey team, if I saw Zach Hyman on the ice playing the way he plays, he would make my team instantly. He'd be the captain and he'd be the leader because, man, his contract's coming up soon. Yeah, and that's I, why I wanted to talk about him. Dude, you're talking... I think through these first 10 games, he's really shown his importance, especially with Jumbo going out and like just a no brainer to put him up on that line with yeah. Matthews and Marner. Like, I think it's really, really highlighted his importance to this team. Yeah. Like he's never going to be Zach. Hyman's probably capped out at 20 goals a year, 25 goals a year, 50 points, which it's, it's not everyone needs to be that Nathan McKinnon, that Kyle Connor, kind of another guy who's a more comparable where you need to get 80 points a year. It's about, can he play on the first line? Yes. Second line? Yes. Can he play on the penalty kill? Absolutely. He's their best penalty killer. Can he play on the power play? See, yeah. Absolutely. See, to me, net front presence. Can I tell you where I'm going oh. with this? Can I tell you where I'm going with this? So, Zach Hyman to me is the opposite of, he's the opposite end of the spectrum from, from a William Nylander. Like, I, as you know, like, you feel very strongly about William Nylander, I know a bunch of other people who feel very strongly, good or bad, I know a bunch of other people who feel really strongly about William Nylander. I, from day one in this podcast, 
have always ridden down the middle, and I have been very transparent about, like, my expectations for William Nylander, I feel, are correct. Like, I don't... A lot of people look at him, and they look at the money he's paid, and they're like, you can pay this guy this money, and he takes nights off, and, like, whatever... And whereas I'm, I kind of look at him and I'm like, I, he's Phil Kessel. I, I watch him and I view him through the exact same lens that I viewed Phil Kessel. It's like he's a super skilled guy who you're going to get nights where he looks like all world. And then you're going to get nights where he looks like like he, he literally didn't show up. But it's really interesting. He's the opposite end of the spectrum because to people who are very like numbers driven and that's what they refer to and that is kind of like their their reference point, Nylander is is the more valuable pick to them. To to the eye test crowd, Zach Hyman is the more important because Zach Hyman, what Zach Hyman brings shift in and shift out doesn't necessarily show up on a stat sheet. Like you can't, you could look at a game sheet and his numbers, like you'd be like, oh, well, he didn't do much of anything. But if you actually watch the game, you're like, this guy is yeah, so valuable. Yeah, the four checking. Yeah, this guy is so valuable. So I find it, I feel like those two, like if you were going to do like, if you were going to sit down and really compare and contrast the two different types of hockey fan, those two are the poster child for the, for the two different types. And I think the difference between them is they're both, Good hockey players in their respect. Nylander being a point guy might take a night off. Hyman being the guy you maybe want to pot a couple more goals, but everything else is off the charts. And it's all about how that player fits in your hockey team. Like forget the contract, forget the cap hit. It's just Zach Hyman could fit on 30 other NHL rosters. Every other team in the NHL would love to have Zach Hyman. But you look at William Nylander and scoring is very important, but in case for the Maple Leafs, they have so much scoring talent and, and a couple other teams around the league that maybe Nylander isn't the best fit for some roster. The reason why I, I specifically reference William Nylander is heading into um, the two games against Edmonton, he was starting to come back up again in conversation. Like, he had the, he had the great opening night against the Habs, and then he kind of faded off into the background, as he does from time to time. And... On the pregame show on TSN, he was a huge talking point about, like, William Nylander, he's got to pick up his socks, like, that sort of stuff. William Nylander, if he doesn't score, he's going to get criticism. Yeah. If he scores, yeah. there's, there's still going to be those people who are frustrated about what he brings, but there's going to be other people, kind of like yourself, who people ride down the middle, yeah. who are going to give him more of a break, yes. because that's what he does. Phil, Phil Kessel. That's exactly, exactly how I used to watch Phil Kessel. Yeah. Stop being less Throw, streaky. Strip the the second eight off the back of his Jersey, replace it with a one. It's no difference. Yeah. It's no difference to me. And I watched them exact same way. And if you're new to this podcast, then you'll hear my take now. But if from everybody who's been listening for the past couple of years, it's just, I, 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 William Nylander, I'm the someone who's on the side of the spectrum where he's very frustrating for me. And that's because he does stand around. And I know there's other players in this league who can contribute what he contributes offensively, but also give you, more uh, forechecking, more back-checking, more less statue-like play. We had Dave Bassel on last week. Go check out that interview. Guy's great, a legend. Great interview. Yeah. And he talks about Patrick Lyonet, who who has more offensive talent than William Nylander, in my opinion, but he gets frustrated with the, the statue nights of Patrick Lyonet. And that's what Leaf fans are with William Nylander as well. It's like, it's like when you're not scoring at a consistent pace and when you have statistics that are... Nylander hasn't scored since the first season, first game of the season. 
then you're gonna have the people on that my side of the spectrum being like, well, what the hell is he doing? What are you paying him for? Why is he on the top line? He just gotta he's gotta contribute more offensively for people to stay off his back, and he's just gotta realize that. So they got a couple of days off here, and then they head into three straight against the Canucks. Um, three straight. That's three the straight. first three straight three of the straight year. Three straight's a lot, man. Yeah, three straight against the Canucks. Um, and then after that, the Habs. Um, it's clear through the first, like, it's about, it's been about two, um, let's just call it three weeks. It's clear that the Leafs and the Habs are the two best teams in this series. Is, is that, is that rivalry back? Like they've only played each other once, but like, I, I looked at the schedule the other night They're So they're playing the Oilers the other night. And like, I've said, openly in the last few weeks that this is the most that I've watched the standings in years. Like even in past years, it's like, you know where they're at. They're in the top three of their division. And like, as we get closer to the playoffs, you start watching more, but it's like, we're and granted shortened season, but like we're raid uh, right out of the gate here. And I'm watching the standings every single day. And so I'm like, when do they play the Habs next? I've already right there. Yeah, that's your, like, that's your answer right yeah. there. If you're already looking ahead to the schedule. Yeah. And I just saw you pull it up right here is, yeah. is we were looking kind of what they have coming up. The Canucks are kind of that in-between bubble team. It, it'd be good, whatever. But if you're going out of your way to look at when they're playing the Habs, there's a, there's the rivalry that you've been missing. And that's because the Habs have kind of taken it's, a downturn. It's great, too, because this is the first set of games this year, to my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong, that's a home-and-home. Well, I guess because of the the geography yeah, that, like that you, can you work can, you out. You can take a bus, right? Yeah. But it's like, yeah, Feb tenth at Montreal, Feb thirteenth. Well, what at makes home. what makes a rivalry? Like, what makes it? Like, that's what it, that, we always talk about. That's so we want to see rivalries. What makes it? To me, number one, I'll start it off. Is is just competitiveness. Yes. Yes. Are you competitive with each other? Yes. The Habs are kind of what the Leafs. What the Leafs lack, the Habs have. And what that Habs lack, the Leafs have. Yes. Habs could use a little bit more scoring talent. They, they, they got some. And yeah. the Leafs could use a little bit more kind of system, toughness, bigger dudes. Yeah. Yeah, they, I think Carey Price is still a better goalie than Frederick Anderson. Yes. And it's just each team kind of has what each team doesn't. And now they're competitive. So to me, that's what starts the rivalry. And that's why we are so excited. That's why you pulled it up and see where they're playing them. Yeah. Cause now they're one and two. That's yeah. what makes a rivalry. You have to be competitive. You can't have like the Leafs and the Sens this year. Can't be a rivalry. The Sens, you said it last week. They'll be lucky to win 10 games. Yeah, and when you be. said that, I was like, I'm like, that's a little hot takey for me. Yeah. And then you look at this, they're one and seven. Yes. It's yes. Like you're right. Yes. They might be lucky to win 10 games. Yes. They're getting destroyed. There was a great, there was a great um, segment on the radio last week with Ray Ferraro and he laid down this great take where it was like, if you, if you go in and blow a couple games to the senators, that could screw your whole season. up. Oh yeah. Like, cause how important the wins are within the division. Like if you go in and drop, like if you're playing a two game set, three game set against the Sens and you drop two games, that's, that's bad. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it's str- like, you can't, again, they're playing Vancouver three times. If you lose all three of those games, that sucks. Yes. But I think specifically for the Leafs, I think it was very important for them to get off to a very good start. Yes. And regardless of everything we talked about earlier, they're seven, two and one. And it's good. To, do you see the Leafs losing three games in a row to the Vancouver Canucks? No. I do not. No, I don't see the Leafs losing three games in a row to any team in this division. They might, but I don't, I think for the Leafs, especially 
getting off to the good start was very important for them. But if you're looking at a team like the Winnipeg Jets, who are kind of looking at that three, four spot or the Canucks looking at that three, four spot of the flames, you go in there, you're right. You lose a couple of games. You're done. Yeah. I know. You're done. You, you, that's that's not good. That's what makes it so great. I say it. I've, I, I'm going to make a point of saying this every week. I could care less about the rest of the National Hockey League. But we should because. Yeah. Could care less. But I, now I'm kind of interested because I want to see how the Bruins play. And it's like we're so focused on one team. I'm sure the Bruins at some point in their game have an offensive slip up or a defensive slip up. It's like, let's stop making sure the Leafs are a perfect hockey team and realize that hockey is a very random sport. And sometimes for five minutes, you can go to sleep, yep. you know? So I just, I'm just happy that they've had a good start and you look around the league or tops in the league tops in the division. What else can you ask for? Really? You can't. So before we get out of here, we went on our Instagram today and asked our favorite listener, your buddy from the, uh, Your buddy Tyler from the Smitty and Mitty show. Yeah, thanks for having me, by the yes, way. Shout out to the Smitty and Mitty show. Give those guys a follow on Instagram. Anybody who hasn't checked it out, go check my lead. It's a little dated now, but it's still it's still kind of prevalent. Go check out my season preview with them on their YouTube channel, Smitty and Mitty. I feel like we uh, we answered this one earlier, um, but we'll, just in the interest of reading questions, we'll bring it up again. He says, are one goal games a sustainable answer for the Leafs? I think if they keep playing the way they are defensively, yes. And if Freddie, it that type of question completely is dependent on the play of Freddie Anderson, in my opinion. I'm kind of, it's a weird question for me because it's like, this is the NHL. There's going to be one goal games all the time. So like, yeah, I think it's a st- sustainable. But then I think about the Leafs history and being like, ah, well, when they're up one goal at some point, they have a tendency to blow it. But if for everything we've said about their defensive game kind of upping a little bit, then I don't see why they can't keep winning one goal games. Why not? 100% why not? Agree. I I'm encouraged by it. Like what? Not to like circle back here, but they, like we I'm encouraged by it. Like this is a team that in the last few years, like we we always said you gotta you gotta win a three two game. You gotta learn how to win two one. You can't go out there and win six four every night. And now they're doing that, and everyone's like, well, they're not getting enough offensive chances. And and <sighs> also other teams. These are this is professional hockey. Like other teams are good. Exactly. I just think, I think the Leafs have also shown a good ability this year to come back. Yes. They've come back. Yes. They've scored. They've been down two goals and have come back and tied hockey games and won hockey yes. games. And the other night they come back, they tie it. If you're going to lose in this league, the Montreal Canadians and the Washington Capitals are proving it right now. Lose in overtime. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to lose, lose in overtime yeah. because those three point games are so important. They're going to be so important this year that I saw a stat that this year, the amount of three point games that have already went down are way up. Yeah. And if you're a team that has, that can get some wins, but if you lose, you somehow get an OT and get that extra point. If you're going to lose, lose that way, man. I know you can't plan it, but if you're a good team, you can usually push it over time. If you're down you can come back and get that one point. Yeah. All right. We got to get out of here. Um, his other question was sh- whoever decided the blue on blue number, should they be fired? No, I I'm, no. I'm, 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 I'm about it. I, I love. I, I liked the unis, but man. You and I, I you, liked them. You and I have always been big third jersey guys. Like you, I've heard, I've said in this podcast a million times. Like, why can't the NHL be like the NBA? Like, 
why can't the Leafs have five different unis that they just rotate? Raptors through? wearing a different uniform every night. The like, Miami Heat they, yeah. are wearing a different uniform every night. And you know what? They're kind of doing that this year. They've got the reverse retros and they've got the St. Pat's unis. So it's like, yeah, like why can't they? That makes it cool. I just love how it's the 80s style. And uh, that, that's, you know what care. take? You know what take drives me insane? Well, this is just the lead. It's just a cash grab. It's like, yeah. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> you got to make money. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Lost with that. I know. Take. I know. Like, That's what I was literally sitting with, with somebody who usually doesn't watch the NHL when they were like, oh, why are they wearing different uniforms tonight? And what you just said right there is exactly what I said. Yeah. It's like, it's a cash grab. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You yeah. sell new uniforms yes. because your league is about to lose. Billions of dollars yeah, paying yeah. hockey players a lot of money with no fans, no concessions, no alcohol, no parking. You got to find something, and it starts with a uniform. There you go. But I go as far as to say, even if there is no pandemic and the building is full and you are selling all those things, why can't we have a, three different unis that we rotate through? What's so wrong with that? What's wrong with trying to make a bit of extra money? Exactly. What if you see somebody who's like, you know what? I really like that. Like the Raptors. Appeal to the Jersey guy. Yes. Appeal to Jersey guy. Not everybody's a Jersey guy, oh, but God. appeal to the guy who's going to drop the 150 or whatever it costs on that uni. It's it's, if you want an authentic numbered uni, it's going to put you back a bit. Yeah. I, I got to look at those yeah. numbers, yes, but, yeah. but it's, it makes total sense. And if you don't like it, then like it, it's really, it's kind of a dumb conversation. Yeah. If you think about it, no, but there's people who legitimately are like angered at the fact that, that's the one thing like you know what people people often like when we tell people that we don't have much of a twitter presence there's i always get the like people are taken aback by that they're like well why don't you have much of a twitter presence it's like because it's freaking exhausting yeah like it's exhausting yeah. you know another thing you know what the problem with twitter is on, on, a, on a separate note is sometimes i question my grammar a bit <laughs> or or the odd comma should well, no, that you comma gotta, be there no but you got it you also got it like after after you put a few of these down like you got you got to put the twitter away yeah yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot of the guys who like live tweet the games and just have random comments but like for us for our podcast i don't feel like we need to let our listeners know that Jason Spets is on waivers. Yeah. Go follow Chris Johnson yeah. for that. Yes. Go follow Kristen Shelton for that. Yeah. You don't need to come to the Talking Buds podcast to find out that Jason no. Spezza cleared waivers. Yeah. No, you don't need to. Like, that's why you add all the Twitter dummies on top of that. Yeah. It's like, eh. All right. You want to hear me live tweet? Uh, some people would probably not. All right. We've overstayed our welcome by just about a minute here. So that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out. If you like what you see, head on over to our Instagram, because as we just said, we're not huge Twitter guys. Head on over to our Instagram at Tuckin. 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 It's talking, bud. Yeah. At, <laughs> head on over to our Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast. Give us a follow. Head on over to our YouTube channel. As they say, smash that subscribe button. Smash the like button. Smash the like button. Leave a review. I don't care if it's negative or or positive or neutral. I don't care. Leave a comment. Interact. Traffic over here. Let's get some interaction going. Yes. Thanks for checking us out this week, everybody. We will see you next week.
Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada. Four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. My co-host, Roland Tanner, and I tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Or you can visit us at 905er.ca to subscribe. This is Charles Adler. After a few years of working on radio and television, The Charles Adler Show has evolved to a natural place in 2023. YouTube, podcast, and open RSS. You'll hear the show as it always has been delivered, concise, with context, clarity, and empathy. And as a bonus, the guests will be natural-born storytellers who won't fear telling stories that are personal and emotional. They won't fear uncomfortable questions. Most important, they won't fear me. Follow me on Twitter at Charles Adler and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts.